Welcome, you're listening to the Spa Business Mastery Podcast, a place for team and solo spa owners to learn how to scale their business growth and impact by implementing thriving systems and strong leadership. Hi, my name is Kirsten Foss, and over the past 25 years, I've been an esthetician, spa owner, and business and marketing strategist to help you plant the seeds of success needed to cultivate a truly bountiful spa business. Kirsten Foss, and today I have a wonderful guest, another spa owner. I love having spa owners here on the podcast because, quite frankly, as a previous spa owner, I remember how how lonely it felt sometimes as um, an entrepreneur. Even if you have a team, it can feel kind of lonely, and it's always really inspiring to chat with other spa owners about kind of how they got to be where they are. So, welcome, Alexis. Thank you Thank so much you. for being with us. And so your spa is uh, called the Wildflower Slow Beauty Spa. My, I've got that right? Yes, that is correct. Awesome. And um, so please tell me a little bit about kind of where you're from, so where you're located. And I'm really curious to, I would really like to talk about the concept of slow beauty. Mm-hmm. For sure. So we are located in Hamilton, Ontario, in Canada. Um, we're in a nice little neighborhood on a busy street and um, the concept of slow beauty is an all-encompassing, um, I don't know, philosophy. It includes um, how you care for your skin. It's about appreciating and knowing where the ingredients in your products come from, how they're harvested, how they're made. Um you know, the working with companies who align with those values. Mm -hmm. And then it's about taking the time to care for yourself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us do get hung up on the bottle and we kind of forget about the techniques and the, the who, what, where kind of thing. It's like, I want to, I want a, a result from this bottle. And we put all of our, our thought into that. And I think there's a huge piece missing in the, the traditional beauty world. Um, there's a disconnect and we're not really taking care of ourselves that way. Yeah. And, and ironically, you know, there's so much conversation about self-care and wellness and yet I totally see that disconnect in traditional beauty and the traditional side of the, of the spa industry. It's very heavily focused on results oriented, which is kind of more like definitely med spa, you know, traditional skin therapy, but I do see that disconnect and it has to do with that kind of really being conscious with your own, with yourself. Um, it really does start with that. It doesn't, it seems like, and especially with this concept of slow beauty, it's that being conscious and being conscious in anything in our lives, we have to slow down. Otherwise we don't, life is happening too fast (laughs) and we're we're influenced by outside influences. So yeah, from what I understand that the slow beauty concept is really that intrinsic, um, conscious concept of self-care and, and your own version of beauty. It, it really puts you back into touch with like the rhythm of life, the rhythm of the world, 
um, that childlike wonder, that appreciation for mother nature. And, and that is, if you, if you wanna look at results, I've seen really good results from that because you glow from the inside out. Like it's about joy and, and gratitude. And I'm not saying those other methods, I'm not making judgment about those other methods, but I'm saying we can have this great balance mm -hmm. and just awareness because a lot of that, I'll say power in terms of making an educated um, choice as a consumer has sort of been taken away from us in a way because of greenwashing and advertising. And then now we have like social media, these crazy standards that um, we're all put to and that whole like anti-aging thing which drives me nuts because we're pro-aging <laughs> so and and I think too especially since you know since we've been going through COVID it seems like there has been somewhat of an awakening in terms of beauty and what it you know how each kind of person defines beauty um, I mean I started growing my gray out before COVID hit uh, be just because I, you know, I normally can't stand sitting that long to get my hair colored. Yeah. And I was also feeling this friction about actually being in the beauty industry and can, you know, kind of the friction of contributing to possibly contributing to people's low self-worth in terms like I have to get, you know, I have to look a certain way or I have to get my hair colored. I can't go out without, you know, having my gray covered. I started questioning that for myself a couple of years ago. And I, now that COVID hit and, uh, you know, many of many women, men and women decided to grow their grays out, but yeah, I definitely do see a little more awareness around the concept of kind of conscious beauty. It's is interesting. Yeah. It's that shift. And it's so funny because the same thing happened to me. I was like, wait a minute. Like I actually really like how gray hair looks you know, and like, I don't mind some of these wrinkles that are coming in around the eyes when I smile and things like that. And, and you're like, yeah, it's that questioning and that realization that you have your own definition of what beauty is. Well, and just like, you know, it's not like, you know, it's also not to say that if your own version of beauty involves, you know, having fillers or that, that kind of those kinds of treatments, that's okay too, because that's your version of beauty. That's how you feel beautiful. hundred percent. So, and so what, at what point did you decide your, that you're kind of, you know, all right, I need to put the stake in the ground about, you know, this concept of slow beauty and conscious beauty. What was there a defining moment for you that you're like, you know, almost could hear a record scratch. <laughs> Things are yeah. I think it was, I always had that inkling I think, you know, even in school uh, to become an esthetician, it, it, I noticed that it was all about product, product, product. Um, and I always thought there was something missing, missing. So it was a mission of mine from early on to create that kind of experience for clients. Um, and I have grown, I mean, it's been 11 years now, 11 years I've had the spa and we rebranded during COVID actually. And um, yeah, it's so, so a lot of personal a, stuff. So there wasn't a def, like a total defining moment. It was kind of like a build up and then a like time, time to make things, time to make some changes. 
Yeah, I guess like the, it, it happened when I had my, um, when I f- was pregnant with my second daughter, I started making my own skincare. So that was kind of the moment when I was researching ingredients. Cause at that time I was pretty naive or, or ignorant at, about what they were, where they came from. And then once you get on that journey, like there's no stopping you and I'm still on it today, like constantly researching and looking and then, and then you get into the whole magic of plants and, and then it just, it goes from like micro to like, you know, you look at how a plant works and then how everything else works around it and how we interact in the world and how all of our decisions mean something and affect something, Hmm. um, which I think is really powerful too. So it just, that's how it all started. Um, so, so you, you're prior to this rebranding. So you rebranded as wildflower slow beauty spa. Correct. Yeah. What were, what was the, what was the brand and the kind of the, the ethos previous to that? So previously we were called Kabuki spa, which was, um, Kabuki is a Japanese word and, um, I picked that word. I had always been really fascinated with Japanese culture. Like even as a kid, uh, I really just loved everything about it. And I loved um, kawaii culture, which means cute. Mm -hmm. And so my colors were like pink and black and white. And then everything was kind of cute and fun. Um, And that energy still sort of carries through to today. But um, I actually took a course on, it was called Sharing Privilege. And I took this course right when COVID hit and it talked about, um, you know, when you cultural appropriation yep. and it was so funny. Cause I'm like, Oh, this course, like I'm, I'm going to take it so I can take it back to my team at the spa and we can become this like really wonderfully inclusive spa that everyone's welcome at. And it never clued into me like, Oh shit. Like maybe I'm doing some of, some cultural appropriation, like talk about. So anyway, oh my gosh. So I got to the lesson on appropriation and I have to tell you, I bawled my eyes out. I felt awful. I immediately called my friend Xanthi who did the whole rebranding. And I was like, that's it. What are we, like, it's, it's gotta go. Kabuki's gotta go. And we just, we went on this journey and we created wildflower and it, it really came from a place of who I am now. Um, who I want to be, uh, the things that are hold fascination and, and wonder and joy. Um, yeah. Well, and the whole thing is, you know, when we know better, we do better. And yeah, you know, it's a like, oops, you know, as far as, you know, kind of some of the decisions that we make in the past, but, you know, when we know better, we do better. And, um, you know, I've done some work myself uh, with anti-racism and those kinds of things. And, and, it can feel pretty crappy when you realize you've been, you know, through privilege, you totally did not see kind of what what was happening, but that's okay. And clearly you were also, clearly it was also time for your own business to morph into something different because you were different. You know, you learned a lot along the way with, with the Kabuki brand but it wasn't so quite, much, yes. yeah, it, it, but it's not kind of who you are, who you are right now and kind of what, where you want to go with things. So I think that's a really good lesson in terms of spa entrepreneurship that you can reinvent yourself. 
like, don't feel like you, you know, what you chose five years ago or 10 years ago in terms of a name or a brand or anything, you can, you can reinvent it if it's, Mm -hmm. if it's just not who you are and what you want to reflect anymore. It was really emotional. Like I, even when I get talk about it, I feel emotional. I get goosebumps and I'm really proud of the changes, but there's still that part because you think of your business as a child and when your child grows up, like it's a beautiful thing, but like, it's emotional too. And I was so afraid, like I I would be lying to you if I was like, oh yeah, like, no, I was so scared because change is hard. I'm going to lose clients, but, and we did lose clients from changing our name. Really? Like what? But like, why, why did they like, why did, why was there attrition? It just didn't speak to them anymore. I maybe, you know, and it's hard to say too, it was during COVID and like the shutdowns and the reopening and this and that. So I just know there were, we did get some emails, like, why did you change your name? Like you, you know, you didn't have to do that. And, And just weird things like that. You can't please everybody. It's absolutely impossible. And I gave up on doing, trying that. And that's one thing I instill in, especially my younger estheticians, they're freaking out because they can't make someone so happy. I'm like, we can't please everybody. And if you are, you're probably doing something wrong. Well, and I, I also feel like that, that, um, our industry is like rampant in terms of, um, service providers having really loose boundaries, personal boundaries. Yeah. And it's because we're in an industry where we like to give to people and like to take care of them, but we also are the types of people that we tend to overgive or we tend to, um, you know, give when it's not appropriate or it takes away from, from ourselves. So um, I do find that it's really easy for our industry to kind of get ourselves in those little situations and, and make a bigger deal than that, what's necessary um, when other people are kind of passing judgment, whether it's, you know, a rebrand or, you know, people are really questioning you on something. It's, you know, it's really tough, I think, for a lot of service providers in our industry to kind of, kind of beef up those boundaries. So I feel mm-hmm. like with you, you, you're really clear on kind of what the wildflower slow beauty concept is. And, I'm sure that supports your younger estheticians and in kind of supporting their own self-care boundaries themselves. Right. Cause yeah. we can't just like preach self-care and consciousness and not be that in our work and our personal lives. A hundred percent. And I mean, when we're so clear on our vision and our va- values, it's kind of easy. Like when things come and go, it's like, does this match our values? Because it can be very tempting, like to bring in, oh, this is going to make a lot of money or like this person or this company or whatever. And it's like, sorry, like I, it doesn't match. Mm -hmm. And I learned that the hard way. Um, But now it's like, I'm so clear and our staff is clear. So it's like, if you want to be a part of our team, you have to fit in to these values and this vision. Mm-hmm. not saying it's better or whatever. It just is what it is. And, yeah. and, um, I think it's, it's so important. Life. Yeah. It's just, just all about, know. yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not like, yeah. you know, a service provider that doesn't really believe in conscious, slow beauty. It's not to say they're not a really great esthetician. It's just likely won't work out because they're, they don't believe in the, the idea of 
slow beauty and conscious beauty, right? So yeah, well, if there's a space, there's space for everyone. So whatever it is, like if you want to give $10 manicures, great. So, but still you need that like very clear understanding of what you're providing and why and who and all of this. And then it just makes life easier. It really, it's truly as a, as a spa owner. Yeah. Being clear on your values and vision. That's always my first kind of, that's our first task when we're working together, because if you don't have a clear vision and very clear um, values, that's where all your decision-making comes from after, you know, after that point. So it makes it really difficult if you don't have that clarity. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what your guests experience in terms of, you know, what's your guest experience in terms of slow beauty? What, what do they like, what's it all about for them when they come in for a facial? Right. So the experience starts before they come in for a facial. Um, It starts the moment they go to our website the moment they call us, um, you know, we talk about language with the team, like how we, how we speak about stuff, um, the branding and the colors. Um, so it's very calming, um, soothing. So even before you get there, hopefully you have that feeling when you come in. Um, so one of our mottos is like, pay attention to the small details. And so I think, taking someone's coat and then remembering. So we actually have like, it's a small thing maybe. Mm-hmm. So we have them lab- our coat hooks are labeled by esthetician so that when the client is leaving, we already have their coat. Nice. Well, how did you know that was my coat? Like just little things like that. You know what I mean? Um, little details and a huge proponent of it is the esthetician listens, which can be hard. It could be, may have- yeah, especially when like, if you've got a really busy day, we all know it's like, okay, I've got, I've got two facials and I've got a pedicure and then I've got lunch and then I got that. And it's yeah, like, yeah. And it's back to back. You're back to oh, back. Yeah, it's you gotta sell retail. <laughs> a hard job. It's, I know I say it's a demanding job. I, I expect a lot. They expect a lot of themselves, but that like, oh, I just love talking about this because it gives me goosebumps. Like when we do our training, Cause we do deep breathing with our clients and things like that's something we do with every facial. And I'm like, this is a moment for you. Like we are not just there for clients. We are there for ourselves. I think that's so important. We talk about at almost every staff meeting is what is your why? Like, why are you an esthetician? Why are you doing this? What do you get out of it? And that puts a spin on it for them. Like, so when they're at work, um, Anyway, I think I might be getting off of topic. No, no not at all. Like it, um, I mean, I really, that's a, it's an amazing point to make about almost like, yes, you're a service provider and giving this treatment, but it's almost this co-creation energy. Like, yeah, it's like a journey. It <laughs> yeah. Like you don't have to just give and empty your own tank all day long. No, you can't. You can, you can, you can use the energy of two people and your um, your skill set and what you do for people, but like use that energy to help fill you up as well. So I love that you are teaching and training your team members <laughs> as far as, you know, where we can grab those little bits of energy and, you know, what fills us up for, for the rest of the day. And know what to take. So that's where I got on that. But I was saying your esthetician listens. So that is a pause. 
So we live in this like myth of busy, right? And so when someone walks in, they're entering like an oasis. So that listening, I, I have to tell you, like listening to women and just giving them space to talk is so powerful. So I don't even care if they're talking about how they wash their face. You know, you're what you take, how much time is someone on their face? It may seem so in, insignificant to some people, but I think it has like, you can take that time and really you turn it into something quite wonderful, which is what slow beauty is all about. But so anyway, for the guest experience, they have that listening and we customize our treatments, even our pedicures, manicures, all of them are customized. We use really beautiful organic products. We use Eminence Organics and Laurel uh, Slow Beauty uh, skincare as well. And then, yeah, another huge portion I should mention is education. So it's really important again, when we do our training, I say education is a part of the service. So true. It is a disservice not to do it. And in fact, if you're not doing it, you're not doing your job. I agree. So yeah. really important to me. If someone isn't doing that, then I will have meetings with them. And I'll say, you know, this is part of, it's like not. Well, it'd be like going to the doctor. It would be like going to the doctor and saying, you know, I've got an ear infection. <laughs> you know, I need an, I, you know, I'd like, you know, I've got an ear infection. And then your doctor saying, oh, well, you know, that's that must really suck. And here, let me take a look. And you know, I'll put some drops in it here today. And then, bye. Yeah. Like, I'm not yeah. getting a prescription for antibiotics to help me, like keep keep home care yeah yeah or, yeah and you know like you can just sense that they're thinking about like their girlfriend or boyfriend at the, it's like focus on me yeah focus yeah. on me yeah. and that's a gift like to be able to focus on someone is a gift and it's a gift it's just a, it's just a well, bloody gift you know think about it as you know I remember as a service provider you know what we're like when we're in the middle of treatment, you know, yeah, you're like, we're thinking about, oh, do I got to pick up today? You know, you're, you know, you're doing the massage portion of the facial and you're like, okay, I got to pick up someone's make one kid and oh crap, I got to get groceries for dinner. And yeah, I remember those days. You're in your head and not being present. With yeah. Clients. And then I'd be like, oh shoot. Like how many times have I uplaraged <laughs> this arm? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've learned everything the hard way. Like I am selling you so and I was like that stress of like trying to figure out how many times I effleur. I'm like, stay focused. <laughs> so, and then I, I've learned things and then I pass them on to my team. And then hopefully, I don't know, we just keep learning and growing. And so that's really what it's all about. It's <laughs> it never ends. That's what entrepreneurship is about. Really. Yes. Yeah. You know, constantly evolving, seeing how we can improve our guest experience. How can we re, uh, improve the team experience? How can we improve all of it for us in our ownership? Like it's constantly evolving. It's never, I've arrived. Like, <laughs> well, and this is the thing, like to evolve, I believe you need to connect. So right. you've got to get out of that business, honey. Yeah, You got to find, you got to connect with other businesses. Like even you know, I've been working with you. I've learned so much just from that. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm going to, I'm going to learn from that. And like, so there's constantly that need to connect and connect with your team and, you know, like you get the point, but it's getting yeah. out of that spa. Yeah. And, you know, for, I, I totally get that. And especially during COVID, you know, as a previous esthetician who, 
you know, after I walked out, you know, after I, I stopped doing aesthetics and moved into coaching online, mm. I was really ready to give up the, the physical hands-on being with people all the time. It, I, you know, it had been 25 years. I felt kind of like my tank was kind of empty. Right. And so when I transitioned to online coaching, it was probably about six months and I realized there was something really big missing. And I realized it was actually the people like it's fine to connect on zoom, but real touching yeah, real. Like, yep. <laughs> um, the energy of collaborating with people, even if it's just a, just a simple conversation um, and I'm not a personal conversation, but that collaboration of energy is so amazing and powerful and when we can, you know, what COVID really showed for me was like, now I, I really, really want to be around more people. <laughs> even yeah, even more. if you didn't before. <laughs> I know, yeah, no, I mean, I was busy raising teenagers and I had a business yeah, yeah. in here all the time. And I just, I, it was a lot, but yeah. I time and space. And so I, I'm really hearing what you're saying in terms of that connection, like having connection with people mm-hmm. is really that magic piece of, of outcomes, you know, for you, it's the connection of the client connection, the connection clients have with their own self. Yep. That's that's where really the magic is, isn't it? I totally a hundred percent agree. And I think like, how lucky are we to be in the spa industry right now? And like, have that for people. It's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 I, you know, especially, you know, kind of we're in the middle of COVID um, and, you know, we, in a busy, busy world. And I like what you said before about like, we're, we, we believe in this myth of busyness and we really do talk ourselves into like, I'm so busy, but we also are busy. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I just feel like I've lost track of my thought. <laughs> Well, I think like you, I know we are really busy, but we have some control. Like we can, the to-do list will never die. It it will die when you do. Um, And you can wake up and say to yourself, what is really important to me and how will I get there? Or, you know, and I think quite often we don't do that. We wake up, we have our coffee, we go to work, like it's boom, boom, boom. And then you're like, oh, good God, like I need some time to myself or I'm feeling burnt out. Mm-hmm. And busy cannot just mean literally physically running around. You can be busy in here. Totally. So you may, you may be like, I sat at a desk all day and yet I'm exhausted because you're trying to multitask and focus on 8 million different things. Your brain can't do that. Mm-hmm. And we're all, you know, it, it's switching all over. Your brain is like working out heavy, heavy duty. And so that we can choose to do that or not. And that's the hard part is making the choice. Um, But you can wake up and you can say, you know what? I'm the most important thing. I'm going to take five minutes to do a really nice routine. Or like when I wash my face, I'm going to be present. Like how crazy of a concept is that? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So just little things like that, that calm that mind. It's like that little Shavasana just for your mind, just for like, well, and when, and when we calm our minds, we, we start calming our nervous system, right? I mean, it's just, it just happens. So what a gift, um, 
what a gift that Wildflower has as, you know, having you as a visionary and a gift for your team to have a, an owner that understands this concept of, of slow beauty, of connection, um, of self-care and not self-care as a buzzword, but in as a, an, or, or as a marketing term, but I, I, I feel like you really, really get self-care um, and, and the cons and kind of are so passionate to teach your team as well as your guests about, Hey, we can, we can, we can look at beauty and live in beauty in a completely different way than, than how we've been doing it. And, and I have to say, like, it's a journey. I think it's important to mention, I don't have everything figured out. I am going, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is stuff I am working on myself. You know, I really battle with low self-esteem um, in terms of sometimes my self-care is awful. You know, I can self-sabotage. So, you know, and I've had people close to me say, well, you can't do that because look at your spa. <laughs> and so that was... I was like, oh shit, like I can't do this because people are going to think I've got it all figured out. Like a Gwyneth Paltrow, like she's perfect and does everything perfect. And like, no man, like I am a flawed person. So it, but, and it was holding me back that fear of like, oh, I, I can't do this because people are going to judge me, you know, like, you know, I, I don't look like the thin, perfect, you know, spa owner. But that was, it still is a hurdle for me. Mm -hmm. feeling that that fear of judgment because of how I look like so it is a tough journey for me still and and I have some things figured out and I know some of the tools and I just happen to be gifted with the ability to share it and and to inspire others mm -hmm. so I can be on an equal plane yeah, but well, I, I think that just makes you relatable. It makes you relatable to your team because nobody wants a boss who appears to be perfect in all sense of the word. And, you know, it's hard on clients to have all these perfect, you know, looking, you know, people taking care of them that puts a lot of pressure on them. So, you know, I think that, yeah, it's, it's, it probably took a lot of courage and bravery for you to, you know, to be honest and open about, your own struggles with self-care and self-worth, but I think it makes it easier for the people that are around you um, and for your team to, to understand, like, I'm just human. <laughs> She's human. Yeah. We're really just, here is our vision. This is what we're going to keep working towards. We're all struggling with it on some level or another, but we're just, we're committed to our own self-care and our own self-worth and we're committed to our guests self-care and self-worth so you know it's like it's not like you're standing up on a pedestal saying hey we're going to teach you this it's more like hey come along and hold our hands along, along yeah I love that I love that mm -hmm. yeah and I just I think now that I'm so wise <laughs> um if there's a younger entrepreneurs listening you know like I I don't want that to hold anybody back like I get excited for a world where we can embrace our flaws, so to speak, which aren't by the way, you know, and uh, I think it would be really exciting for the industry um, as a whole for, cause most of us are women, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, it's, it's wonderful. And um, 
And, and I, and you know, my, what I wanted to end on was asking you about if there, if you had a, you know, what is your best business tip for us, you know, an aspiring spa owner or a spa owner who's struggling right now. So I kind of feel like you talked, you just kind of touched on that a little bit, or would you like, is there something else that you want to want to share? One thing I've noticed, um, is a lack of training, um, you know, like an example for me is like, if I go to a restaurant and I ask someone, what does this taste like? And they say, I've never eaten here. That's insanity. Red train, <laughs> train your staff, make sure every staff member has every single service, make sure they know what the products are. They are the ones making you the money. They are the ones spreading that passion and joy and all of that stuff. You must like training to me is just so important. Mm -hmm. And I know when you have no money or you're struggling, you're like, mm, like, um, you know, it can be hard to part with the, those labor, hard. labor dollars, but yes, if you don't invest in training your team and, and there's also kind of a version of like what train, what does training mean? Like how much training? Cause some spa owners are like, you know, here's two days of showing you around and give you a couple of treatments and then you're on your own. That's, that's not training. <laughs> that's barely orientation. So, you yeah. know, that, you know, that training that you're talking about is in-depth training, it's product knowledge, it's knowing service descriptions that they can roll off your tongue because you've experienced it firsthand. It, and it's constant mm -hmm. every year. Like I would say every year, um, you need to do training. I don't care if someone's been there for six years. Most of my staff have been there for five or six years. Nice. We nice. do training every year and guess what? They love it. So, I mean, it's fun. We get to connect, we get to touch, like it sounds, we get to touch each other <laughs> in a totally like normal way. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is asking for help. Um, that's a big one because I mean, I, I dealt with a lot of insecurities. I, you know, I couldn't even call myself an entrepreneur for the first five years. People would be like, Oh, you're an entrepreneur. I was like, no, I'm not really. Oh yeah. I've come so far. Wow. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Like to, you know, just to have such an aversion to like, I'm not an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. I've been for five years. <laughs> I know. Like what you weirdo, but yeah. <laughs> so it was like, Oh, asking for help is a weakness. And that's just like conditioning from childhood or something. But uh, you know, it's true. I know I ask for help. it makes us feel a little vulnerable when we need to ask for help, but, um, you can, you can feel shy, right? Like, I don't know what that is. Like, it's okay, man. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Just ask. Yeah. Awesome. Wonderful. That's, those are two great pieces of advice. Thank you so much. So thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I really enjoyed getting to know you better and learning more about your business and just having these little, little chats about kind of what, what slow beauty means for you and what your business. Uh, is. Yeah, it was super fun. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Alexis. Okay. Bye. Bye.